Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Union fans. This is Chris Jobloss, your host here at Zolo Talk, and we are brought to you by our good friends at phillysoccerpage.com. Um, I want to give a big thanks to those fellows. Um, they've done a tremendous job of helping us reach out to more Union fans like yourself, and so I hope you're going to enjoy today's podcast. Um, we've got a lot on tap. It's been a busy five days in the in Union land, um, starting with the Portland game. Um, so we're going to go on to that. We've got Jesse uh, Macbeth on the cl- on the program to discuss the Portland game, uh, the travel situation that was kind of a, a bit of a mess, um, and the U.S. Open Cup game. And then after that, we're going to bring on Jason Huff, who's going to help us break down uh, the last 60 days uh, as far as, as the front office is concerned, um, the departure of uh, Ernie Stewart, the 60 days of searching for um, our new sporting director, Ernst Tanner, um, and the activity or lack thereof uh, in the transfer window uh, over the summer. So uh, I would tell you that we're going to do our best to stay positive in the first half, uh, and then we're going to get uh, pretty real in the second half or then our, with our second guest uh, as far as uh, we'll do our best to stay positive because, you know, this isn't about complaining about um, you know, the union or, you know, if we disagree with the way they do things because the truth is um, – you know, we're ha- our, this is our club, um, and we're not just going to complain. It's because, you know, we're a part of the club, um, and, and we want what's best for um, the team. And so um, we hope that you enjoy. But uh, first up, we've got Jesse McBeth uh, talking all things union, specifically the Portland game uh, and the U.S. Open Cup semifinal. So um, after this break, we'll come back with Jesse. Thank you. All right, and we're back here on Zolo Talk, and we're joined now by our good friend, Jesse McBeth. Jesse, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, lots going on in uh, Unionland over the last you know, five, six days. Um, and we start really with um, the game in Portland on Saturday night. Um, I was curious to see who the Union brought out. They started in the lineup with uh, Derek Jones. Sapong, Fabian Herbers, Fabinho, Craval. Um, but they still brought along Bedoya, Harris, Akam, some of the starters that you expected to see on Wednesday. Yep. Did you think that Curtin had the right rotation this week or going into that Portland game? It was weird. I mean, it seemed like he kind of he, – he had like a foot in both camps. He didn't quite rest everybody. Like, if he knew he wasn't going to start him, it's not quite a throwaway game, but – we're obviously not bringing out our A team, but then we put them on later. I don't know. If it were me, I think I would have just kept our big pieces at home knowing we had the U.S. Open Cup on the horizon. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, when you go across the country like that, I mean, it's probably the, you know, the furthest place that they're going to travel. Yep. Um, they, he would have taken some of the vets, uh, expecting them, them to play and expected them to play 30 minutes. You know, I, I think that was my biggest surprise. But I was happy to see you know, some of the young guys in there. I mean, I know we've talked about Derek Jones here and there. So it was good to see the dust, you know, knocked off him a little bit. What did you think of his performance? 
Yeah, I thought he was one of our strongest players, um, if not the strongest player. And I was glad to see the other times that he's played. Um, Jim has kind of – he's, like, not, I guess, talked bad, but it sounds like he hasn't liked his performance very much. And um, that definitely wasn't the case in Portland. You could tell everyone knew Jones put in a pretty good shift. So I was really happy to see him get minutes. I kind of thought we would see him um, against Chicago, but didn't happen. I thought so maybe too. I, I mean, I thought he was great. I think he brings a, a whole new dimension to the midfield. Um, you know, a guy who's strong, willing to take you know, players on. I thought he played pretty well. I thought he played better in the first half. Yeah. Um, then the second, I thought he kind of, it kind of got away from him a little bit, but uh it's good to see him. I think he's a player that's going to have to make it almost impossible for Curtin to to you know send back down to Bethlehem Steel. You know, I think that he always already prefers you know the Bedoya, the veteran Harris um, to him as well. That's by so I think he's going to have to really perform well. And I think he probably had in that Portland game the best chance. Yeah, that's close. really. I wish he had scored that goal. You you think maybe things could have been different had he put that one away. Is that a, is it a zero zero game at that point? I thought it was, yeah. Yeah, and then we get it's, that his ball comes across. He's able to bring it down. I, I was shocked he got a shot off there. I know. It's <sighs> it's one of those things too. It's that's just classic with this club. It's like, you know, it, it could have gone in. It didn't go in. That's okay. But we're just left there thinking, man, if it had gone in, we're thinking three points, maybe one, yeah. and instead we're walking away three three zero losers. So that's tough. Yeah, it was it was difficult. Um, but, you know, I thought it was good to get him on there. Um, oh, yeah. I was, as far as the squad rotation goes, I was surprised. I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. I mean, Fabinho it has been dropped now for Ray Gaddis at left back. Yeah. So, if you're looking at mostly second-team players, it's probably Fabinho. I guess in my head I'm like, well, Matt Real, this is a, an opportunity for Matt Real. I mean, I would have – I'm looking at everybody from the steel. I mean, I, I think Yarrow – I assume Yarrow and then uh, Fontana are both – injured because they didn't make the, they didn't play for the steel nor did they travel on, for this game and I feel like they would have been good candidates to get some time yeah Fontana definitely I'm surprised he didn't like I don't know I know I know Richie's kind of the number four I everything I've heard about Josh Yarrow this year has I, he hasn't seen like any action I think when we played that friendly one of the reporters asked Jim like who's going to get some time who's going to feature and it was everybody pretty much except Josh Yarrow. So that's he, tough. Yeah, I mean, he was snake bit by the injuries for a while, right? He yeah. had, like, multiple concussions. I don't know. It is, it is pretty disappointing. I remember, like, when he first got drafted, there was, like, a story about how at Georgetown, the Argentina national team was uh, training, I guess, using Georgetown's facilities. And he okay. just was shining, like, stopping Aguero, playing, you know, playing very well in the back. And I'm like, that's, like, one thing I'd, like, forever held on to like wow the promise of this young josh yarrow was, who was stopping the likes of Messi, and you know you just can't go on the field quite but i yeah so anyways i assume fontana's hurt um yeah. matt reels just a little bit too far down the chart uh but you know poor fabinho i mean yeah. just roasted he's 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 getting old i think it's okay to to allow him to be a a locker room guy <laughs> i agree but you know i'm ready like i'm thinking Okay, this year he still he hangs around for depth. He let Matt Reels the first team player at Bethlehem. He gets all the minutes, and then he shows up next year to, to battle Gaddis for the for the starting spot. If not, you got already got to give it to him, right? Yeah, definitely. Although, I mean, all the credit to Ray Gaddis, who we wrote off 
together, you know, yeah. early this season. And it's just shining like a like an example. I mean, every once in a while, it gets a little – it can maybe get a little scary. But for the most part – Yeah, I really – I agree. I, I You got to give it to him. He, he's playing some good D. I mean, yes, you're right. There is the occasional – time but I think I'm just nitpicking probably because I'm I'm looking for that more so than than other players so I I agree he's had had such time we've had such a long time to do the nitpicking and and Gaddis has been around forever I mean that's a a union um you know uh a union I guess landmark is the best way I can put it but I'm just losing the the word I want to use um milestone so to speak is the 100 game mark right because we don't have too many yeah. 50 goal not, scores not um no i think we, we have one we have a 50 50 guy and uh yep. who i believe um yes and speaking of which uh bradley wright phillips scored his 100th goal within the last yeah. week which made, me, which made me actually think to myself man so because i because i don't know if you saw the uh celebration first off i couldn't care less about the red bull but the cell the uh they had like a video for him of like all these old players who came back and said you know congratulations on your 100 goals and like terry on reason there and i'm just like talk about you know a wealth of riches you have a 100 goal scorer and in that time just before that yeah, Terry Henry, who came yeah. for like two or three seasons and scored 50 goals. And they can't win anything. They can't win anything, yeah. And here we are, like, just scratching. We're just like, just give us a goal score. You know, could Sabang be the one? He's got double digits. And then this year, it's going to go from 10 to 20. Um, it's just not quite there. But a 3 nothing loss to, to Portland in Portland. Um, disappointing, but I, I don't think – I think everybody kind of had their sights set on on Wednesday. Absolutely. Uh, and um, Portland's but, probably the toughest place to play in the country as well. So yeah, it's tough. Like you can't like you didn't go there. I remember thinking when I was like, All right, I'm gonna stay up till eleven o'clock to watch this game. <laughs> you know what? Are, what are we really expecting? Like, are we gonna sneak out of here with three points um, for a team that has road struggles already? It seems yeah. unlikely. Far-fetched. Um, but I think that's why, right? That's why you thought there was gonna be like a massive squad rotation, and that you maybe don't take Bedoya. Right. It's almost impossible to get three points out of there in the first place and you're you know that's the thing with with the u.s open cup and the mls playoffs and and we'll talk a little bit about the league in a little bit i have some questions um but you know you look at it right now and and for mls fans and if you know understanding the um the way into let's say the Concacaf champions league which i giggled myself about but it's a real thing and like it could happen it could happen it could happen and like i am very interested in you know what it looks like if like a a tijuana comes to town energy park like that's going to be a lively atmosphere if yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Club America is in our is in the group with the union if you know that should happen. But you know that's a different. You know those are getting yourselves into. You're playing more games. Um, you have you're creating more capital, which is something that we could would be nice. But yeah, well, we could use that. We could use a couple of dollars here and there. Use, who could? Yeah. Who couldn't? So you know when I'm when I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, okay, the are ingrained sports fan thought is win every game um but the truth is wednesday was coming up we are in a two-game playoff essentially you win two games you're into the Concacaf champions league you've got yourself a trophy everything outside of that really doesn't matter until until uh wednesday i guess after that saturday Um, and that's a different it's a different thought process so when i'm reading uh, you know, my normal going through 
Twitter on you know, Monday or Tuesday. Oh, yeah. And I see Bedoya making a comment that they were traveling on Sunday after the Portland game for 15 hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, for a team that does all this work with sports science and talks about the power training center and, you know, they're monitoring how players look and, and Ernie and the money ball aspect and making sure the players are training and what type of performance they have. I mean, to send these athletes three days prior to the biggest, probably, you know, the biggest game of the season um, on a commercial flight, like you and I crammed into a cabin seems it seems like it works against everything they talk about when they say how you know how sports science matters it's embarrassing and it's not the first time even this season but has talked about that before i remember he had like an instagram story where they they were stuck on the runway for four hours that's and the right. air conditioning wasn't working i mean it's like it this just should not be happening that's that's mls 1.0 i thought we were in like 3.0 at this point that's that's absurd that that's still continuing yeah i thought about like okay you know Let's say that you don't have the money to bring in a player at, let's say it's even a loan at $250,000. Like, I think 50000 just does $50,000 get you a private flight to Portland and back for 25 people? You would have to think yes, right? Like, I would think so. I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, honestly, if you had one option, like, if you can take a helicopter in, now maybe that's Don Garber's helicopter. Uh, <laughs> that you're landing at in the back of town and data, but the fans aren't going to ever forget that ever. No, but yeah, I thought of when I heard about this, I mean, I get that you don't have enough to splash $5 million in the transfer market. I get that. I'm just saying if it's about a flight for one time and you're going to send some of these guys, it's, that seems crazy to me. So that was disappointing. And, and that kind of led into, I mean, I think as a Union fan, right, you're terrified going into Wednesday, into Wednesday night. Yeah, and you know what? It, it, we didn't look particularly, uh, like, well-rested. We, we did not look very sharp in the first half, I would say. We kind of let them have the ball. We weren't particularly, like, pressing on the front foot. None of that happened. No, it was – I was nervy. I thought that we were going to have to take advantage of every opportunity we had. Um, I thought the ball in early in the, in the first half to Corey Burke where – you know, I think it was a perfect ball, maybe yep. at the edge of the six. He gets his head on it, misses the target. I'm like, so close. I'm like, that's a that's an opportunity that we couldn't miss, right? They're going to take advantage of one. Um, but this, so we go into this, so we go into Wednesday night. Um, I thought the place was going to be packed. First off, I pull up, lots B and C. I'm yep. I'm I'm so far. I'm probably in Delaware. That's how far behind the power the power energy or the training center I am. I wow. couldn't believe it. I get inside, but I guess lot A was closed. Yep. So maybe it was just like a, a mind tricks because I get inside and it doesn't seem like there's that many people there, but a good crowd, a rowdy crowd, definitely a crowd that understood what was on the line. That was the thing. The people that were there, they knew what was going on. That was, that was the real, every real fan was, I would guess was pretty much was at that game because the whole place was engaged, which does not always happen when it's sold out. No, it doesn't. Not at all. Um, but nonetheless, I thought it was good. A good crowd, not jam packed, but a good crowd. So damn um, hot, though. That was oh, rough. Brutally, brutally hot. And like <laughs> the concourse, I don't know what the deal was. And look, look, I just appreciate that we have, you know, a semifinal on a Wednesday that I can take my daughter down to. But like none of the stuff was open. I'm Dude, like, yeah, they were like half staffed. The, oh. Some of the people were complaining. Like you could hear some of the workers were like, why don't we have more um, like registers open? 
they ran out of water and chicken at the PJ Wellahans. That uh, was by, by halftime. It was a mess. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, get me to my seat. You know, I gotta get my daughter. Friend. Like, it, and these things don't really matter. And there's large shit, but Jesus, like, it's just a battle in there sometimes. So anyway, so were you happy with the squad that Curtin put out? Is that our in, the, in your mind? Is that our first team? Uh. I actually, yeah, I guess I would have to say yes. I think he's probably going to put Mark McKenzie back in there. I'm pretty sure he's got a slight injury, although I love Jack Elliott. So, um, Jack Elliott playing strong. Yeah, I, I, and we haven't seen a lot of him this year. Um, he was really good last year. So I was happy to see him in there. I'm still, I don't know. We, we paid so much money for a comm that we should keep playing him, but – I don't know. He's probably the only one I would say maybe he's not my starting right yeah. winger. He's, he's, he, doesn't have, uh, he's, he doesn't have the greatest of confidence right now. I mean, I think he's trying some stuff. Like, I had a, he had a little move early in the first half. I want to say he must have nutmegged. The yeah, that was disgusting. Part. That was awesome. But he played it a little too hard, right, yeah. and then he lost it. So, I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to try some things. Um, but it is not as solid as like you know what you're getting at like Fafa. You know what you're getting. Like his speed is so strong, is so good that he, you can't dive in. He's you're not going to be able to catch him. His, and that's I would say he has elite speed. Um, although not maybe all the aspects of his game are elite, but he has elite speed. Um, Absolutely. I thought Jack. I think Jack Elliott looks good, but you know if you listen to what this front office talks about, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mark McKenzie's going to be back. Like they're going to yeah. put, they're the goal is to get these kids through, and then we're going to have to start churning. And and I spoke with um, on our last podcast, I, we had Jason Huff on, and one yeah. of the things I mentioned was, you know, I never even thought about. So so I'm all about the build, like the aspect of building this team for the thought that you know you're going to have to you're probably going to have to sell some of these younger players if if a European club comes in and slashes a few million dollars, it, that's how this is going to work. Right. I haven't because we haven't gotten to that stage yet with the Mark McKenzie's and the trustees. I haven't even started thinking about how we reallocate those funds <laughs> and how we choose and, and how we choose it. Because you know, you hear already, well, we can't miss. I mean, Jay Simpson is a is a huge miss. Huge miss. So Albert, probably a miss. We got some misses. Oh yeah. But who's so at this point, like I have a I get the, the, the model. I get the model of the union of, of the academy and really selling these youngsters when we have an opportunity when, when somebody comes with, with the, the money bag. But who's, who's in charge of reallocating those funds into the transfer market at this point? And like, who's being held accountable really for the Jay Simpsons um, and, and probably for the David Acoms? Well, now Enough. nobody, right? Because Ernie's gone. They're going to dump all of that on him. We don't have to make any moves until the offseason. I mean, they kind of, again, just get a free pass. It's, it's crazy. Um, I mean, I, I was happy to hear um, – I was happy to hear about the, the hiring in general. So that was good. Yeah. Um, but I do think Mark McKenzie probably – probably doesn't deserve because of the injury to lose the spot. Um, and he's a homegrown. It's, a, it's good for the club. Right. Um, but so coming back into the game a little bit there um, – I mean, I thought that the second half was, you know, one of our best halves of the year. Yeah. Um, Burke was incredible. I thought that he finished every opportunity he had. I thought he was ex exhausted. I, I was screaming for him to get off the field for a little bit because he was walking a bunch. 
Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I don't have time. <laughs> we don't have the time for this guy to be walking around. If you know, we have to be booked together. He's got to be. Um, he's got to be available for the cross. I was, I was really kind of freaking out inside, but um, you know, they. I thought they played really well. I mean, who who stood out to you? Yeah, Corey Burke. Obviously, um, he's got to keep starting for us. Um, I mean, Fafa. The one thing we were talking about is speed, but. He, he, I mean, not that he doesn't tire out. He certainly does lose it a little bit as the game goes on. But even at the end, I mean, he, he's still just blazing by people in the 90th minute. And he challenged, um, like, right as the game ended. He was still running at the goalie there. So, I, you got to give him credit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Dodgeball got a huge ovation from the fans um, when he got subbed off. I didn't think he was particularly terrific. I thought he had a pretty good game, but – no, no, I, I, I would agree. I didn't think that he was uh, – I didn't think it was as strong as Bedoya. Right. Bedoya's just that unsung hero every single time. I mean, and Austin Trusty looked great. You really – you can't – nobody had a bad game, in my opinion. No, no, it did. There was nobody who um, played poorly. I think, I think Jack Elliott had, like, a quick spell early in the first half where he played, like, one weird ball down the middle out of the back. Like, just a little shaky. Yeah. But then he, he came back together. Um. He, although he played well, and I love, I love his play. I thought, I think that Harris, um, his experience and his like demeanor on the field is really important. I think that he's a poised player who doesn't yes. seem shaken. He can, Absolutely. he can kind of drop it back. However, I'm starting to wonder if uh, the replacement value of a Derek Jones wouldn't necessarily be as deep a drop as we maybe thought six months ago, or you know, a few weeks ago even. Yeah, and I think also, you know, Harris is probably getting a little fatigued, you would imagine. Like, I would be fine if Harris didn't play on Saturday against New England because um, I think he's still got a lot of good qualities, but we, like, I want to make sure we, you know, use him appropriately. Well, yeah, because you're, I mean, you're really looking at about, well, it's, it's the 26th is the final. So right. you've got about almost six weeks, right, to get ready for that. And that's, you know, leads me to my next question, right? What's our, what are we looking at now? Is this about, are we looking at the league as uh, trying to make the playoffs at this point? Or is this about conditioning the team and getting them to be their best and ready for the 26th? If that means maybe giving guys a night off here and there, laying one up, or, are we, or would you say that you're more concerned about getting into the playoffs now? I really, I, it's hard for me to say I don't care about us getting into the playoffs. I think we have to get in the playoffs. I think we can get into the playoffs. We're right there. I would be very disappointed if we don't make it. The big thing is um, between now and the 26th, our next four games are against Eastern Conference opponents. So I would like to see us go for those. But then we play Seattle on the 19th and Kansas City on the 23rd. Those two games, I'm totally fine. I don't, we don't need to throw those away, but let's rotate. That gives us a good week to rest anybody we need to. And I'm not worried about dropping points to Western Conference opponents. Forget it. I like it. I think that's a strong, um, you know, a strong strategy. Uh, I'm 100% behind that. I think that they can definitely make the playoffs. I think that um, laying it up. However, I do, I do think it's important at this point to find out what we have in Derek Jones, probably Fontana. Yep. Um, at this point, I'm going to say – calm like you really like keeping him on the bench I'm not disagreeing that it, it hasn't worked out well but he's a big number 
And even if you're going to move him on, I don't think you can move him on if he never plays. Right. So a little bit of squad rotation. Um, but yeah, hopeful that they make the definitely hopeful that they make the playoffs going forward. Absolutely. Um, so the trip. So I guess what the, we're they're in Houston uh, yeah. for the for the final. Um, you plan on making the trip? Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the 26th is a Wednesday, so I do not think I'm going to be able to make a trip to Houston on a on a in a midweek. It is situation. tough. It is tough. I've been, I would love to though. I would love to as well. I looked at some flights today. Uh, it was like 350 round trip, which isn't a killer. No. Um, but the Wednesday situation doesn't help anybody out. No. It does not help. I mean, I don't know. Who, maybe. Like, maybe. But I, I just don't see it happening, honestly. I, I, I did see, though, the Sons of Ben are um, organizing. I think they're going to try to get a flight for, for anybody that wants to go, um, like a deal, a hotel uh, maybe some transportation. And then I think they also said they're going to try to set up a watch party um, for people who stay in the area. So if I'm nice. not in Houston, I'm probably going there. Very nice. All right. Good deal. Yeah. Well, keep your eye out for, uh, if you're listening, keep your eye out for that information from the Sons of Ben, a little watch party local. That could be a good time. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, hey, Jesse, I want to say thank you for joining the uh, Zola Talk podcast as always. Um, we look forward to having you back soon. Yeah, can't wait. Thanks again. All right, bud. All right, welcome back to Zola Talk. This is Chris Shaw Wallace. And now joining us on the Zola Talk podcast, we have Jason Hoff. Jason, thank you for uh, joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me back again, Chris. Uh, well, so we just got done speaking with Jesse Macbeth. Uh, we reviewed the Portland game, uh, getting into uh, the U.S. Open Cup, the semifinal, which uh, just we played last night. We're recording this on Thursday evening. Um, and now we're headed to a final. Uh, but I thought it would be important as the uh, transfer window shut yesterday and as we hired Tanner, or Ernst Tanner uh, today at noon to t- kind of look back over the last 60 days of the transfer window, really starting with uh, when Ernie Stewart decided to or gave his notice to the union that he would be uh, taking on the uh, position of general manager, I believe, or sporting director with the United States men's national team. And just look back and see um, at this transfer window and the business that's been conducted from the beginning of it to now uh, where we are. And, and so let's start with just a layup. Um, Jason, can you, could you give me a grade? How would you grade the union's summer transfer window? Uh, now that it's over, it's an F. I mean, they, <laughs> they, they, they just didn't do anything. I mean, they didn't do anything. And I think they tried to nickel and dime. Uh, the, you know, the team in Turkey for for uh, Eric Ayuk, and it, and it backfired. So now they're just – he's back here. They're stuck with him, and they got nothing out of that. Yeah, the one deal, uh, we, the we, one deal they had maybe lined up for a little bit of cash. They didn't even get that one across the line. No, no, absolutely not. And they they didn't bring in anyone else unless I missed something at any, any other position. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, no. <laughs> I don't no, think right. they made any additions. Nobody moved out. Like, we didn't – we didn't – I guess we didn't gain or lose anything financially, but that to me is a loss because this team needs help. Yeah, they didn't do anything. Um, essentially, uh, they didn't – I mean, you heard a little bit about Anthony Rivalin, but you're the one who broke a little bit of news to me last week uh, who I hadn't even read that, that he was in on a trial for Bethlehem. I mean, that the only – God, the only rumor we had was a trialist for Bethlehem Steel. Honestly, if you look back at this, I think that – 
from the gate, from the absolute onset, from the time this window opened, they were never going to make a move. I think unless something fell in their laps, if somebody jumped up and said, hey, we want to give you some money for this player, they might turn that around, but the budget wasn't moving at all. I don't think there no. ever was a, de a decision that they were going to improve any, any position. I, I agree. I mean, if anything, we were a selling team, and we couldn't even get <laughs> that right. Yeah, I mean, a I mean, well, let's start with, from a selling standpoint, there was a, the one rumor that comes out on transfer deadline day, which we need to do a better job in the MLS with transfer deadline day. I mean, you and I traveled to uh, England last year, or in January. We were there on the January transfer deadline day. I mean, we were, in, you know, we were in the bar. We had a seat. We're watching as the news came in. They're going to every different uh, training center, you know, each of the club's headquarters. You're getting updates on players. Is this player coming in? This one's in here for physical. Honest to God, we got nothing. In the MLS, you have nothing. I mean, we, in a multimedia world, can we, get, can we do a better job with the MLS transfer deadline day? Yeah, I mean, there's zero excitement for it. None. And, None. And you barely know it. Yeah, that, and I mean, you know, if it doesn't catch on in terms of, like, people getting excited, that's fine, but you, I at least would like to see the league trying to drum up that excitement. Yeah, like, do something, like, throw something on NBC Sports, you know, put something on Fox 2 for all I care. It doesn't even have to, you know, for Fox, uh, Fox Sports 2. It doesn't have to be on FS1. Put it on 2. I'll jump in there. I, I mean, I wasn't talking about, but the only news we get on Transfer Deadline Day is that Minnesota – is interested in Derek Jones, which would be so union. Yeah, that <laughs> that exactly is, is so union. I saw that and I I just assumed he was gone. I, I figured that was <laughs> going to be a done a, a done deal. Yeah, and it, I think fortunately it, it didn't it didn't happen. But just the fact that, that is the one thing that popped up is somehow this guy who can't really get on the field for us. The other teams are clamoring for him, so it's. Yeah, we finally get him out of the garage after months of him being underneath the uh, blanket. You know, we finally get him out. He looks great. He's just a boss all over the field. And then, just like that, he's involved in rumors. But he doesn't move. Um, so nothing happens on transfer deadline day. And we don't make any additions over time. Today, the day after the transfer deadline day, they schedule a press conference. I just want to emphasize one point. We, we Sure. We couldn't even move a player who doesn't make the 18 for $400,000. Like, we just decided that wasn't enough money, and we were better off just doing nothing. So I just yeah. think, I think we should emphasize that point. Like, that, they're that bad and that desperate for, for money. Yeah. They that found we did nothing. Sorry. Go, sorry. Go ahead. I just want to emphasize that point. This kid, he's, they find him 18 years old. He's playing on the shores of Thailand somewhere. They bring him in on a trial. He, you know, he plays a handful of games three years ago. He goes on a couple loans. He's back. He doesn't play for the Steel. He doesn't play for the Union. He doesn't make 18s. But yet, you're, you're, like, you're going to give him a tough time about moving on to Turkey? I mean, at this point, honestly, like, what's the point? Like, I thought in my head, forget about, okay, so maybe they wanted $200,000, $400,000 for Eric Ayuk. Like, are you, gonna, are you ready to... Uh, bring in a lo loan for a player who makes uh, $400,000 and you're going to split that? Like, are you going to increase the budget in some way? Like, I feel like everything that they're doing from a budget standpoint is robbing Peter to play PayPal. Like, something has to go. Players have to leave or the contracts have to come out before we can bring in 
a com because we're not going to add to the bottom line. We just have to allocate the, the hole for it by letting somebody else go. You know, like they're managing the cap. They're not necessarily saying, all right, well, we have X, um, this much more money. We have two teams that came in, the expansion fees. We're going to add to it. They're just, they're, they're never spending real money. No, our, I mean, our transfer budget is zero. <laughs> like that, that's just what, that's where we start. And that's where it ends. It's zero, it's zero dollars. Like, there is no money there to just to be aggressive and go out and get a player that we need. I mean, I'm probably going to get to this, but after the, after the press conference earlier today, I mean, we know that's what it is now. There, there just is no money. <laughs> They've dumped it all into building up the academy and trying to build that way. There, there's just nothing to provide these pieces that we need to, to benefit the youth movement that, that might be happening. Yeah, and the, the, the press conference in itself, yeah, we're, I was, that's where exactly where I was headed next. Um, well, first off, okay, let's, 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 before we get to the actual quotes of the press conference, it's the Thursday after the U.S. Open Cup win. Uh, the, cl- the window closed yesterday. Not, uh, not that it mattered. We didn't do anything in the window. But this is a, our sporting director. He's not going to start for another month, right? In my head, what happened today was specifically to throw some smoke and mirrors on the fact that they did nothing to improve this team with an opportunity to win their first final qualify for the Champions League as they sit on the edge of the playoffs. Your thoughts? Yep. <laughs> right? They did I, not, I, there was no I, I don't. today. The guy doesn't work here. He, he's giving you – I mean, listen, the quotes are good, but it's all just conjecture. It doesn't matter. He's rating players. He's talking about next preseason. You had a real opportunity to strengthen your team now for the run. Like, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I mean, I don't want to make too much good of like a comparison, but like you go into the second half of the season, I mean, in Europe, like to not address, I mean, to go into this, like what happens and God forbid anybody gets hurt, but what happens if Corey Burke gets hurt? Yeah. They go back to Sapong. I mean, we know that that's not the answer. That's just, but that's the team we have lined up and, and, in this press conference today, even Ernst Tanner, I mean, he essentially said like he doesn't have any experience building a first team. Yeah, you know, his experience is is through the youth. So he said there's going to be a learning curve where I have to decide you know, where my focus should be, <laughs> and that's it's not great with, with at this point in the the Union franchise history that that is not where we should be. We are not an expansion team just trying to. Get her feet under us. Yeah, they made a they made a decision to spend their resources on an academy. Which I also just want to stop for a second. And maybe you heard this, but like Jay Sugarman at one point saying, "Frankly, we spent a lot of money on the academy." I mean, it's almost like this guy is like indignant that like, how dare you say we haven't been spending money? Like, I'm spending a lot of my money. Which look, it's not my money. It's not our money. I mean, it's easier for us to say, no. spend your money. It's not, your, it's not our money. But, like, dude, what world do you think that we're living in where you can say we need to be doing things that other teams aren't doing, like, you know, or training, or training in other ways? Like, what makes you think that those teams aren't doing those things and spending money? Like, it's almost like he's trying to tell you, look, we can either spend money or we can do all these other things that nobody else is doing. 
But like that just was to that seems like you just are under the impression that nobody else is doing those same things. Like at like Atlanta, LAFC, um I'm trying to think of another team right now. I guess NYCFC, right? They're spending money. Doesn't mean that they're also not building a youth academy. Like you're yeah, just choosing it, it, to do one of those two. And yeah, you know, yeah. Another way, I guess, to look at it is we think we know that you know Jay Sugarman is in this really to make as much money off of this as as possible when he sells the team once they're done with their expansion and all that. That he's going to sell. Like we kind of feel like he's hinted that that is his game plan so in between then and now like or now and then he could be just in his mind stockpiling and building up youth talent that he can sell at a profit to just put into the bank oh 100 percent. you know so it's not even about really building a winner the team's not going anywhere that's not going to fold i mean if, if he can just make money as this goes along that's that's all he's in it for. Like that, that's what our owner is right now. That that's just what the reality is for the union. Yeah. I mean, and and I, you know, me, so good. I thought that finding out that, um, that Richie Graham had conducted the search for Ernst Tanner was interesting because, you know, Richie's very, has a heavy, heavy inv- investment into YFC in the, in the academies and the, in the high school. Right. So finding a sporting director who is very focused on bringing those players through the first team is incredibly important. It's almost, you know, makes sense that he would figure, feel that is almost 100% important versus first team and having uh, good relationships with agents, right? Understanding connections in South America. And listen, this team probably got burned by the connections in South America for the first five years. Yes, Definitely. Yeah, I think Sugarman may have, you know, a little bit of a, a syndrome with the situation that happened with Noack and, and the agent fees and whatever the hell was going on there. They ended up in court. Um, but I just, it, it's, it's crazy to think that we're just going to be laser focused on the academy. I mean, you're talking about, it could take a generation. Like we're seeing like trusty McKenzie, Fontana. These are first generation guys out of the academy. Like, I think we're going to look back in 10 years and be like, man, those guys, you know, the first ones, like we'll get lucky in a couple here and there, but it's not like, I don't know. It's just, it hasn't been around long enough to produce like that where you can really guarantee that that fruit that's coming out of there is going to be that good. No. And I don't think there's, I mean, I'm sure someone could prove this wrong, but there, there aren't many clubs out there and anywhere in the world that have been, successful building solely through the youth academy i mean i know there's a lot of prodigious prodigious academies out there that have developed a lot of talent but at the same time they they've spent money to fill in the pieces that that academy hasn't produced true yeah it's like it should go hand in hand right exactly it has to yeah which absolutely has to which let me ask you as we go that's a perfect segue Okay, so as Trusty and McKenzie come up, and they're two players that I would say are strong players, probably being looked at in Europe if they can get through their first full season um, playing decently, they're going to make a little buzz in Europe. Let's say that you get an offer for $10 million. Now, I know that that maybe seem a little, seem a little crazy for Austin Trusty. Everton, $10 million tomorrow or at the end of the season. Okay, you sell for $10 million? Again, I, 
Do they? Yeah, I think the union do, but I don't know if I would because I don't trust where that money is going to end up. I mean, they, we haven't, we 100%. just haven't re like re reinvested the money that we that we've gotten. I know we haven't gotten a lot of money over the years, but I, I just don't know. Like, does that bring us back to even with the money we've invested into the like to the youth academy? Like, I, we just we just don't know. It's a great question. I mean, I would have to assume some portion of that, right? Some portion of that goes back to Sugarman. I mean, come on. Every owner of any business wants cash back on his investment. Fair, okay? Guys throwing oh, a yeah. lot of money. I want to see something coming back. I get that. But you're right. Some portion of it goes back into the first team. Sugarman said it today. With the budget that they have to spend, they cannot miss. They, don't, they cannot afford. If they're only going to throw out a one- 600 to a million dollar salary per off season, you're going to get your Acom. You're going to get your Bedoya. You know, you can't miss. So a Jay Simpson is a colossal miss. To date, David Acom, colossal miss. So my concern is, okay, great. You have your style. It's the Academy. You got to figure out what you're doing with the Chris Albrights, whatever this thing that Ernie Stewart talks about his scouting model that produced the players that they've brought in on his time is, you know, minus Daniel Senior, maybe, maybe another player here or there, but I'm concerned that the reinvestment, we need to start looking deeper into our scouting department because we're missing on that one player per off season. So, I mean, so what do you think overall of Ernie Stewart's time here? Do you think it was a success? That's a great like, should question. Should he be given credit? Like, I mean, should he be? I look at yeah, given yeah. any, any sort at, of like positive credit for just any, I mean, anything that's happened. Here's the what I think about it. Here's my my take on Ernest Stewart's tenure. That's a great question. I think that his time at the union was specifically to navigate us through the first three years of the academy build, knowing that you weren't going to spend a lot on players, but because you had Ernie Stewart in there, you had a, everybody had to think, he knows what he's doing. He's building a first team, we can trust him. And so it allowed them to really say, to really not increase the budget in any way, but him as a signing gave them time. And that was enough time to get the Fontanas, the trustees, the McKenzies through the door so that today they could bring Ernst in and say, look, Here's our four homegrowns. We've shown you how we produce this talent. And this is a guy who's going to, who understands it just as well and can take us into the next level. So is it a success in that way? Yes. For me as a season ticket holder, have the last three seasons been successful? No, because it's not just about what their version of success is. Like Tanner said, to, or, and I keep calling him Tanner because he's got essentially two first names. It's going to be tough for me. Ernst said it today. <laughs> He said today, you know, they asked him, what do you define success? And then just to, just to be clear, I watched the interview twice. One, because I'm a union nerd. And twice, because I wanted to make sure I was hearing what I thought I was hearing. <laughs> they asked him to define success, you know. And he said, pro sports are, are, success is dictated by wins and losses. They can't get away from that. They want to so badly. They want to say success is Fontana, you know, that you wanted us to pay um, or it's trusty. You wanted us to pay five million for a center back, and we brought one off through our high school and produced him at a at a tenth of the per, of the cost. That's that's success to them. That's success to Sugarman, 
who I didn't have to write a check, but to a season ticket holder who shows up to watch the final product, it's not been a successful run. We're going into their 10th season. Next year, they haven't won a they have I don't believe they've won a playoff game yet. I mean, and to think last night that LAFC was going to be in the final, that we would have to travel to LAFC to try to win our first cup and that they would be in the same position in their expansion year would have been about the most union thing I could have ever imagined. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about all this yeah. They've gotten the same, they've gotten almost the same place that we are here trying to win their first cup in essentially eight months of existence. It's incredible. It's, yeah, I mean, it is, it's very depressing to look at it that way. I mean, you know, to know that we've already fallen behind expansion teams or in teams in their second year. Well, how do you see Ernie's tenure? Do you see it as a success or a failure? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess uh, it, it is tough because, I mean, was his job to come in and win a championship when he was hired? It was his job to come in and, and put in place a solid academy moving forward. And I think the academy part is there. I think we've got, like, a, I think it is in place. I think we should be very happy with what they've built. Um, but you said wins and losses are what matters. So, you know, in that sense, no, you know, what the team we put on the field was a failure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how you get around, around that. And like, if, if you start to think about, if you start to take yourself out of our union fandom, right. As like, let's win some games out here. Let's win some cups. Let's win some titles and be a team that we can be proud of and that, we, you know, we showcase all these trophies and we're in the Champions League. And then you think about how they internally are visioning success. If it's all dedicated on the building of the grassroots, you know, through the pre-academy, to the academy, through the high school, onto, into the Bethlehem Steel on the first team. When you hear Ernie's comments in those social media drops about, how proud he is of, of the things that they've done and you know, what they're building and whether it's been successful or not. It's easier to understand how he comes off as someone who doesn't think of it as a failure of any, of any type. Because in the time he's been here, they opened up the high school. They've got the academy cooking on all cylinders. They're, they've launched the Bethlehem Steel team. They're bringing players through the high school to the Steel onto the first team. So if, that is, if that's the task he was given when he showed up, it's a massive success. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, and the bar, the marketing aspect of when he was hired was that this is the guy that's going to lead us to a championship. And now, you know, a few years later, it's like, well, actually, no, he was really supposed to just get the academy lined up, and he's done that, so he's a great success. Well, as, as a fan, as a supporter, it, that's hard to accept. Yeah. Yeah, they moved the goalpost yeah. on you. Yeah, and it, like you said, next year is year 10. Like, we shouldn't be at that, but we're still years away from where this is, is a true success for the Academy. Like, I mean, this is, it, no one else has to wait 15 years for this to play out. It's true. I mean, they, I think if you look back at the union history, Jay Sugarman coming on as the owner and us having a team and building the stadium in Chester, you know, there's some costs maneuvers there to ensure that the cash out of pocket wasn't that bad, right? They got the state funding for the um, stadium, right? There was no marquee signing earlier. If you look through the rosters, we used the expansion draft. We used the 
um, MLS draft. We played McInerney. We played Akugo. We played Danny Mwanga. Like, we used every possible situation that we could to avoid um, transfer fees and, and DPs for the most part. Um, they avoid the transfer fees. They look for players that are out, on, out of contract to bring over. Always kind of trying to work away from dropping cash. That, that's the biggest point. Like we, well, we've allotted X amount into the budget for yearly salaries. We're going to have $3 million, that's salaries. If we lose seven players that knocks us down a million dollars, we have a million dollars to go find in salary money. If you choose to spend that million dollars, 500000 on buying a player, well, then you have 500000 for salaries. It's always management of the same budget. There's never really an increase of funds. There's never capital running in to this team. Um, and, and, and that's just something that we're going to have to live with until they start selling these young players. And I, I think they're going to have a battle on their hands because I think people look at Trusty now as the future captain of the, of the union. And I think he's probably the first person who gets sold to Europe when the time <laughs> well, comes. Yeah, I mean, well, then it's hard to look at him as the captain of the future. Well, I mean, yeah, for us, I look at him as the future, but that's not – I mean, look, if, if this were you're, – you're a City fan, right? You're a Man City fan. If, yeah. I, if I told you that you have, a play, you have a player that's coming up who's 17, who's a, a wonder kid, but he's stuck behind Daniel Bruyne, what's your, what would you say? What are you going to do with that no, guy? Well, his name's Phil Foden. <laughs> um, he's, he's actually doing quite well. He's, he's probably going to break the 18 this year. Um, is that NYCFC? No, he was built up through the. He's actually an academy product of Man City. Uh, um, I know they had an academy they, I mean, over there. Oh, Chris, we took a tour of it. You know, you've been there. You <laughs> saw how breathtaking there. it was. It was it, gloomy. They, it, so, but that's it's tough because it's a different situation where they 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 can sit back and just and take the time to really develop a player. The money's not an issue there. But we know we have a cash-strapped owner where that money is an issue. So he's not worrying about whether this kid's going to be the captain of his team in a few years. He's worrying about how much he can get, how much of a return on his investment he can get in that player already. Yeah. It's, and it's, it, I just think it's going to be hard for them to build that – hard for them to sustain a fan base with that type of mentality. Yeah, they're going to erode fans quickly because, I mean, it's it, – no new casual fans are coming in. One, the stadium location's tough, and two, you have to have a name to bring people in that may that you know that are on the fringe of paying attention. They're not going to just casually stumble in. It's just not going to happen. You know, those those potential soccer fans they're going to latch onto a team in, in Europe somewhere instead. That's much more entertaining. That, that has some sort of name value. Uh, it's so. Well, I'd, I'd like to see. I'd like to see. Sugarman have to open up the books on the academy and let us know how much it has been spent. You know, if they've dumped fifty million dollars into this thing, okay, I'll, I'll give them, a, I'll give them a pass. But if it's like you know, we, we've only spent two million dollars on this in the last five years, you're know, building it up. It's like, well, then we just have a broke owner. Like we, the guy had enough money to buy a team ten years ago, but there's just there's just nothing left to like for him to invest. Yeah, I mean, I it, it definitely. Uh, strikes me he strikes me and and just the, some of the things that he was saying in the press conference you know the capital behind him is just not there and we're just going to have to live with it um 
And I think he, he, he is the capital. I mean, if he doesn't, it's like, it, where else is it coming from? No, I'm saying he, I'm telling you, he's, he sounds like a guy who's, who's saying everything, but look, I hear, I hear you, but I don't have the money. Like get used to it. I don't have the money. He doesn't sound like a guy who's, you know, working himself away. He sounds like he's doubling down. He's bringing in sporting directors with very little um, connections to places where you could find signings, transfer market signings. Like I find it incredible that we haven't looked um, to Mexico or Southern or South America. Like, uh, a yeah. lot of, we've none, nothing. We're, we're out of that market. We're just not doing that. We're all about the European model of academies, bringing guys up through there. But like you want to find fa- a fan base like, there's no – like, we are there any Hispanic players? I mean, I guess Bedoya is a Hispanic player in general, but he's American. I mean, he's an American player of, I think, Cuban descent of some, of some, in some way from Florida. But, you know, you're not the, – the team is, is very much built of American players and European, play, and European stock. But we're not looking into those spaces. Like, I'd, I'd love to know why we're not looking for more – in Mexico and South America. I feel like there's a good talent yeah. there that's a, that's maybe more affordable than trying to pillage through, you know, Germany, for instance, right. and their academies. Well, we are, when you say affordable, like we are nickel and diming teams in <laughs> Europe over $400,000 transfer. <laughs> we need every I mean, there aren't, there aren't just players, you're just not picking up a stud for a hundred or $200,000 transfer from South America. Mexico it's just not it's just not happening no but what about a loan like you look you had like the work to find and first off Dutch call I'm a like he's a nice little player he's a good 10 he's better than what we had no doubt about it it's an improvement but like you're going to China to find a loan for a guy who was essentially an eight million dollar player yeah like that's a lot of hustle that's a lot of work where you're telling me that you can't find a guy who's on, on the reserve team for Club America, who you can't loan for six months here at a better number? Yeah, something something's wrong. I want to I want to son to Ben Tifo that calls for a full auditing of Sugarman's finances. That's <laughs> that's what I want, and just to force him to put it out there. Yeah, show up. Something a sons of Ben. Something's going on. We're like, here for the new, audit. New conspiracy theory of the week that I saw I saw this on Twitter, so I, I can't take credit for this one. Is that Ernst Tanner for the, the club he worked for in Europe. The owner of that is the CEO of uh, SAP. Yes, yes, DOP, and right? Is it, no, it's not DOP. Is it DOP? The guy's name? Uh, something like that, I right? Freak. It's something, Hop, yeah. And, it's and SAP's, H-O-P-P. Yeah, H-O-P-P, Hop. and SAP's headquarters are, North American headquarters are in Newtown Square. And the ultimate goal is for that guy who's a billionaire to buy the union. So... Let's get that process underway. Yeah. I mean, that fits like a glove. I'm a thousand percent. This is all just Sugarman establishing that, that network and that connection to get this guy to buy the team. So let's, let's get that going. Well, and they said that Richie Graham's the one who found Tanner, right? That, that, and, and he said today in his press conference that Richie reached out to him. And I thought it was interesting that he said when he read the job description, he thought that was perfect for me. And when I saw him, I'm like, what the hell is this guy reading? Is there like a posting on like monster.com for yeah. a sporting director of the union? Or I, like, it's like the same thing there. Like, what does that I look don't, like? Yeah. 
it's like, you know, must have uh, a lot of understanding of academy work, able to work with zero to no budget, uh, hide, yeah, you know, hiding yeah. from the media. Um, will not you're, really... And you're paid, paid on IOUs. <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> I mean, what in the world? I mean, if you look at the, but if you look at the structure, so I got, I, mean, I got lost my tangent earlier, but if you look at the structure of the union, when we talk about the academy model, right? Before, I think Curtin start, before he became an assistant for Hackworth, I think he was running, he was running a youth team with the union, right? He was one of our youth coaches. Um, you know, the whole model is built for you, like to, to cultivate youth, youth talent. I mean, when we talk about like, oh, we don't love the, um, the tactics or, you know, the fact that they're not moving on curtain, like, you know, he's essentially working as a youth coach who's simply holding the fort um, until the rest of the youth players kind of make it up through. Like he talks about, oh, I've, you know, I remember with Keegan, oh, I knew Keegan from when he was with the youth academy. Like Ke- curtain was deep in the youth system as it was. You know, and then you look through who the, who the coaches are in the youth system. They got Ryan Richter. They got Fred's in there. Um, Jesus, there's another player who's um, back there now as well. I can't think of uh, his name. But, like, it's almost like everything is about the academy. I mean, all the way up through the first team coach. And, and it's, it's crazy to think. And, and I, I wonder, how do you reach out to season ticket holders? Like, if they have something up now, redupe. Like, what, how are you – how do you have this model? where you pretty much say we're not going to spend on a first team. And then you ask people to invest heavily in season tickets. I mean, at least these yeah. Sixers, at least the Sixers say trust, like they're very clear, trust the process. Here's what we're doing. Here's who we are. We're going to play the kids. They're going to play. The union haven't been as, you know, as committed to the youth problem. Like they say they are, but look at Derek Jones. I mean, there is, I don't know anymore that there's that much of a, drop between Derek Jones and Harris Mnuchin. I like Harris. He hits a ball like an absolute killer twice, three times a game. He's, you know, composed on the ball. But we're not getting more out of – we're not going to get more out of him if he plays 10 games this year than we are going to get out of the build out of Derek Jones. But why isn't that happening? Why aren't we working ourselves through the Derek Jones problems? Is, you know, in my head, he should be playing every single game at this point. Yeah. I... <laughs> I wish I had a better answer. I mean, I think I mean, it could just be the possibility that Curtin feels that it's it's better for his job security if he plays the more established veteran. Maybe he doesn't feel that he has personally has that time left to experiment with a youth player. Or not a youth player, but a younger player. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to hold off. It's a great possibility that he, that he's – personally trying to win games now at the uh, without any real cons- with some concern listen you get mckenzie and trust in the field we've talked about this those are if you're playing those guys week out week in week out that's more than we ever would have really expected that was going to get on the field this year um so he if maybe he thinks he's checked that box and then he gets his vets out there but i i think he's got to start you know start dabbling jones in there um but how are they gonna i mean if they, I think they're going to have to wait until this Open Cup final plays out before they can address Jim Curtin's job because they're not going to, like, you, they can't extend Jim Curtin right now. There's no way. Right? No, they can't. They can't. They can't. They can't. But after seeing the extension they gave Sapong, I mean, maybe they, maybe they will. 
you know, that you do without so much. I, I mean, he's going to say yeah, he's no, been to the final. He's going to say I made it, I, that he's gotten these, the club to the Open Cup final three out of the last five years. That's you know, not, and that, that becomes bad. a very, very positive story and angle if they win one. Well, that's what I'm saying. So they're going to – so let's say that they're going to wait then, right? They're going to wait. They'll play out the Open Cup final. They'll, so pretty much Jim's got the year. He's got them to the end of the season. You see where yeah, the yeah, club he, ends. Yeah, he's, yeah, I would say he's got the year, and it's – yeah, I, I think that he I, – I would say he's probably on his last legs in terms of, of a result one way or another. Either he's got to get a fairly deep playoff run. Right. In where that – I think I don't think we necessarily have to win the MLS Cup for that to happen. I think he just has to maybe get to the semis and he'd be okay. Uh, or, the, or the Champions, Champions League. Yeah. To get into the Champions League, I think you keep him around. And see what he can do. So, and I, I, I go back and forth. I'd probably be all right with that. I mean, if he does actually get a result on one end, that um, that that he can stay around. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that that's a good bar, and I think everybody should be working at. Like Jim's been with the club for a long time. I think he's. I definitely think he's a good dude. Um, I think that you know he cares about the club. Like he's not a guy who doesn't give a shit. I think sometimes he comes off as like a little bit arrogant because um, he does care and like he believes in his players, but that's a whole different story. But nonetheless, this is professional sports. He needs to get a result. Um, there's plenty of other coaches or managers out there, right. Who would understand working in that with that type of pressure that they have to get a result in that game. And so I would say, yes, a championship or a deep run is necessary before you can address um, that situation. But that's to be seen. Um, listen, I, we're kind of going a little long. It's going to be a longer podcast, but I just want to thank you for uh, for joining today. I mean, it was a lot to go through over the last 60 days, and now that we have a new sporting director, well, I wouldn't know. He's not actually employed by the union. Jay Sugarman did mention that he hasn't worked out his <laughs> immigration issues. So it was good to meet a guy who uh-huh. might work for us if, you know, if everything <laughs> works out. I don't know what our, how many folks came over from, uh, I, I guess, well, Redberg Salzburg's in Austria, right? But I think he's of German descent. So, I mean, I'm sure it's fine. It's never really an issue. Um, but, hey, dude, I appreciate you uh, joining the podcast this week. Um, always a blast. Yeah, agreed. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, folks, that's all for Zolo Talk today. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, hanging out with us. I know we went a little long, but... A lot of items to cover this week. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at TalkinZolo, all one word, T-A-L-K-I-N-Z-O-L-O. Um, but we appreciate you joining us. I want to thank uh, Jesse and Jason both for joining the program as well. And uh, have a great weekend. Take it easy.